Welcome to the New Stories Podcast. In this episode, SSFS Head of School, Dr. Rodney Glasgow, interviews alumnus class of 1996, David Ayala, about his transformational experience at SSFS and how that experience guided him personally and professionally to where he is now. David, thank you so much for finding time in the midst of all of your staff, and you're doing such good work, to join me today to talk a little bit about our school and then the world and what you're doing out in the world. I'm excited on, on both fronts. Maybe to start with you telling us a little bit about who you are and how you ended up at, as a student at Sandy's Big Fence School. Yeah, I grew up between Mexico City and, and uh, good old Rockville, Maryland. And one of my best friends in the world, who's still one of my closest friends to this day, um, you know, had gone to Sandy Springs since middle school. And so I always knew it was in the cards for me to go there and be part of the community. And, you know, I, I had been to, I'd been to 12 schools from K to 12. Um, Sandy wow. Spring was my last one. Mm. And, um, you know, I think my biggest regret is I just didn't get there earlier. You know, it was always calling to me. And if, if I had to say that it was like a regret, I wish I had been part of the community earlier. You know, I just, I came in my junior and senior year. And I think through my connection with Dave, who had been there since middle school, like, you know, I'd known people and known of the community, but to truly be a part of it, you know, junior and senior year, like made all the difference in the world, all the difference in the world for me. Mm. So having gone through 12 different schools, um, you were sort of a connoisseur. <laughs> Would you find that Sandy Spring Friends School that made it feel more like your place than the other, than the other ones? It's so it's funny, full circle to be reconnecting with you in this space and talking about this. So I, I was recently doing a, I was part of a leadership training group and we were reflecting on a place that really made a difference to us. And like immediately, like Sandy Spring came to me as a place because I, I think it was the first place um, in terms of a school where I really felt seen. And like, I wasn't an easy kid to see. Like, I was rough around the edges. I could be incredibly unpleasant. There's a lot of things I did as a high school kid I'm not proud of. And I think Sandy Springs saw those contradictions in me. And um, I remember, you know, John Staley and Dave Kahn and Bob Hope and Tom and so many others would, would tell me when I was, you know, creating some of those contradictions and hold me accountable to being better and saw me enough. And um, that just meant the world to me. It was like, well, if they know I can do better, like I can listen and I, I can really make growth. And I just think, I think about, you know, them and I'm like, oh, who am I missing? Because there were, there were so many others too, that really were able to embrace the contradictions that I brought, see the best in me and, and help me, help me see the best part of myself, even when I made it tricky. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, there's nothing like being seen for who you are and then loved to an even better self, right? It's, it's mm -hmm. just such a testimony. And, and if we can, maybe let's put a time stamp on it. So what was your graduation year? Uh, 1996. Okay. So we're contemporaries. I was a 97 grad at Gilman. So, and, and at that time, so much going on in this area around a lot of the things that we're talking about in the world today, the race relations and police brutality and economic disparity. I can remember being a teenager of the 90s and wrestling with all of that. Did you find that landed somewhere in your experience of the school too? How were you as a, as a teenager wrestling with these issues that I know are important to you as an adult, just knowing you? You know, I reflect back on my teenage self and like, I'm really not proud of a lot of the things I didn't see. I think back to the diversity that existed in the community and that there were a lot of people of like different colors and backgrounds. And then my own background of having spent so much time outside of the United States, 
I think mm. led me to think that like, because I had these experiences and could interact with different people, that that was like the world of, and, and in this space of Montgomery County, that that was the world. And so to hear these things happening elsewhere was like, well, that must be somewhere else. Cause that doesn't happen here. Mm. Like, you know, and meanwhile, like it is happening here and it is happening to people I love and my friends and I like, and we're not seeing it because I'm in this bubble of privilege in, in Montgomery County. It, it, it was like a specter, but again, like I think my privilege protected me from a lot of, protected me from a lot of it and not the people I love. It's interesting because even now, what, 20 years later, there's still this concept of the Sandy Spring Friends bubble, the same word that you just used, where our students are, are, are protected from a lot and shielded from a lot, and they should be, and they're also intentionally exposed to a lot at the same time. So um, I love that you brought that concept because I think the school has always done well to to do both where appropriate. Well, and to be like super fair, I think there was a bubble for me as a, you know, person who walks in the world as a white man that like wasn't there, you know, for my fellow black students, you know, that Mm -hmm. like leave the bubble and the racism they experience like as students. I mean, as loving as Sandy Spring could be, we all have our flaws and faults. And so like I was protected, but I don't know that that's fair all the time. I think I was blind to many of the challenges that, you know, my friends faced. Right. And wow, is the, is the school still working through those issues of inequity that the nation is working through? But the best part of it is the school is definitely working strategically through it. And, and I just love that we're digging into and looking at how can we solve our own systems as a model for solving the systems of the world. Take me back to a, a day that you just clearly recall, for whatever reason. Take me back to one of your memories of Sandy Springs Friends School. I think one of the memories I remember the, the, that I hold the most dear uh, was reading Gates with Dave Kahn. Mm. And why was that the one? What did that feel like? What did it mean to you? I mean, there were so many things. I just, I, I loved his class and I loved his bar and I loved the passion he had for the literature. You know, it was like turning out the lights and reading Beowulf or reading Yeats and the Irish Brogue and just the passion he had, you know, for for all of that work. It was infectious, you know, and the, the debates he would let us engage in and like the philosophy um, and how much he deeply cared and how much of himself he shared with us about his own background. And the reason I remember the Yeats so much is he said, he said, when we opened the book, he said, we're going to find the finest line in all of literature and I have a dollar for whoever can figure it out. And um <laughs> we were reading among school children and there's the, how can you know the dancer from the dance? And I said, that's a nice line. And he said, it is. And I said, might it be the finest line in all of literature? And, you know, he just lit up and was like, yes. And uh, I was like, you said there was a dollar there. And uh, he said, I did. <laughs> he got a dollar out of his pocket and he gave it to me. And I wrote the line on the back of the dollar and I kept that for years. Mm, mm. It's such, I mean, it's such a great line and it's, it's packed with so much and it makes me think about as school people, we know in a good educational system, you can't separate the school from the student. They're almost like a synergy of dance as well. So tell us where you went. You left Sandy Spring Friends, you graduated, and then where'd you go from there? Yeah, so from Sandy Spring, I went to uh, Georgetown University and ended up majoring in accounting and finance. And um, so very different than what most of my classmates were doing. And I think in some ways, very surprising to a lot of people, um, you know, even within the, within like my Sandy Spring community, that that was the route that I chose. And I found it 
very intellectually invigorating. I love the study. I love the challenge. I love the focus of it. Um, but I also found myself really drawn in many ways back to the lessons I learned at Sandy Springs. So by my senior year, I was, you know, I was TAing a cost accounting class and I was tutoring accounting and, you know, I had interned at Arthur Anderson and, um, you know, I had done all the things that someone of this, that pursuing this degree should be doing. The other thing I was doing was driving the van from Arthur's table. Um, I was a volunteer firefighter and um, I, we were going, we, I was in a group that would go to visit classrooms in DCPS. And, um, you know, I think we were trying to be helpful. I don't know how helpful we were, but you know, I found incredible energy from doing those things too. And I just got to this place where I was like, you know, this accounting and finance stuff is really cool. And it's just, it's not me. Like I want to be with people. And so maybe I need to go do that. I want to be with people in a different way than accounting and finance offers, you know, sort of like I'd already accepted a job and, you know, I called and I said like, I'm sorry, I can't take this job. I'm going to apply to this teaching program and I have no idea what's going to happen. And, um, you know, I, I went off to Chicago and I joined a, a, a program there that was a two-year volunteer program in the Big Shoulders Catholic Schools. And, um, you know, I spent two years, you know, kind of getting back to my Sandy Spring roots, like living in community. Our salaries went back to our schools and really like connecting with our kids. And, and I taught self-contained too. So I had a group of sixth graders all day, everything, you know, and eighth grade all day, everything. Um, and it was, the, it was the best thing I've ever done in my life. Wow. Wow. And, and now you are a leader at the School Leader Lab. Will you tell us what that is and, and what your role is in that? Yeah. So um, after I finished the, you know, after teaching in Chicago, um, I had another moment, really thought I wanted to go to grad school and very quickly realized I had nothing in common with other people who wanted to go to grad school um, and that I still actually had the teaching bug deeply. And so I got involved with, I got involved with KIPP in DC when the charter movement was just getting started. So like, you know, KIPP now is, you know, 20 schools, over 6,000 kids. KIPP then was a hundred kids in a hallway. Um, <laughs> and uh, I spent the next 15 years there at the founding school. So as a teacher, vice principal, um, a principal, and you know, my last year I supported three other school le leaders as a head of schools. Um, and to see an organization grow that way was amazing. But back to my Sandy Spring roots, you know, it meant a lot to me to graduate and be part of a small class. Um, I've always really appreciated being in small communities. And so when I had as difficult as it was for me to leave a place that had given me so much and, um, and I still deeply miss the day-to-day -day work of being in front of kids and families, the opportunity to be a, a part of a startup nonprofit where we're directly working with coaching school leaders across the charter sector, you know, and, and mostly working with the smaller charters and on holistic leadership development. So we come in and we work on the instructional leadership. We, we work on the values and emotionally intelligent leadership. And we directly talk about what does it mean to advance equity in your leadership? And we try to put all those three together as best we can. Feels deeply resonant to me in that we get to connect with individual leaders to help them be their best selves in front of their schools. You know, I certainly wish I'd had, you know, a version of some of my colleagues um, as I was in the middle of it. <laughs> so wonderful. And for those who don't know, I mean, KIPP is one of the most successful charter school models in the nation. And to be on the founding ground of that, really inspirational. So what would you say, and this is now me personally asking, as a new school leader, what's your advice for me? What are you, what are you saying to school leaders right now about leading, especially in this moment in our nation? Well, you might find this answer frustrating, but I've, I've fired myself from giving advice. 
um, you know, I ask people like, well, what would you tell yourself? Um, because as I learned in uh, it, as I learned at Sandy Spring, let your life speak. And there's that of God in all of us. We have the answers inside of us. And um, it's about taking the time to like get in silence and connection and listen. And I think too, I think some of my best work I, I've ever done is when I remember the lessons I learned at Sandy Spring. And some of the things I'm least proud of over my leadership are when I got away from those things. Um, mm. And full circle, as I get back and develop myself as a coach, I constantly hear the echoes of what I learned in, in terms of like Quaker philosophy and from the from the teachers in the community that built again and again and again. I literally just got back from a training and it was like, oh my gosh, this is everything I learned in high school. You know, this is so many of the things that I was told in high school and not ready to fully connect with yet. Um, but I right. feel so blessed to have had that foundation laid for me. Well, well, I appreciate you not giving advice and, and, <laughs> and your question. And I think my answer to that question would be for, for me, my gut tells me that this moment is about stewardship and stewardship mm -hmm. of, of people in particular and through that stewardship of the school that this is about caring for people through one of the most confusing, intense um, and, and conflicting times in our nation in the midst of a pandemic, right? In the midst of economic unrest, in the midst of doing all of our jobs in a way we've never done them before, especially in education. And so that's really been the the call this year is self-care and self-care and then care for others and care for the school. Those are, that's the whole thing. Wow, well, it's been so great to connect with you and to, to bring you back virtually a little bit <laughs> to Sandy Spring Friends. And for the alums of the school, if you had one message to send to them today, what would you say to the thousands who are in this alum pool with you? As cheesy as it sounds, I would, I would love to, um, all the alums that have shared the experience at Sandy Spring of like, I love you and I'm proud to have been part of you. And, and I hope that we can, you know, if, if it's been a while since you thought about those moments you had and the teachers you connected with, you know, go back and sift through that yearbook or some of those other memories and remember what it meant because it still means so much to me. So, you know, it still means so much to me now and means a lot in my life and my work. Mm -hmm. I love it. And as someone new to the school, I already see exactly what you're saying that the school, the nature of the school has a way of planting in you and then growing as you grow. And so I, I love it. Thank you for your time today. And so glad we got together. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Same to you. Oh, chestnut tree, great rooted blossomer. Are you the leaf, the blossom, or the bowl? Oh, body swayed to music, oh, brightening glance. How can we know the dancer from the dance? Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the New Stories Podcast.